Hello everybody and welcome back to Summertime Bit Boys. I'm James. I'm Blake. And we are on our fourth episode now. This week looking into a sort of mixed bag of fighting games. So I believe Blake has done uh, a little bit more than me this week. So I'm going to let him take the lead on this one. Alright, so let's start off with uh, Saturday Night Slam for uh, SNES. So uh, off the back... I'm going to say that, uh, you know, for it's a Capcom game, obviously, and yep. uh, every Capcom game, I'd say, during this era played pretty well, generally speaking. The, most of them are used or based off, was it, the CPS-1 system, typically, until they moved over to CPS-2, which you usually saw, like, what, on Dreamcast and PlayStation 2? Anyways, so as a Capcom game, it plays good, you know, obviously it plays smooth, didn't really have many issues with it well-designed sprites, good animations. However, you know, for myself, I'm not much of a wrestling fan or really a gamer in terms of, like, wrestling games. But uh, I felt the gameplay, you know, it played decently enough. But I felt, you know, there was a lot of investment in terms of trying to figure out how each character played and do all the moves. Mm -hmm. It wasn't one of those games where you could truly button mash. You actually had to somehow either finagle certain things or kind of finesse the controls in a certain way. I remember when I was trying, not to say pin, but to grapple people, I would have to do like certain button commands to make certain things work. And it was just, I don't know, felt kind of unnatural to me. I guess I was maybe expecting more of an arcade-ish experience, but it really wasn't arcade-like in the least. It was a lot more involving. But... Yeah. um I thought one thing that was pretty cool was this the North Star creator designed the characters and uh, the design, what is it? The designer and creator of this the North Star is actually in the background of every level. If you look in the middle, there's do the camera and behind him is the uh, creator of this the North Star. I thought that oh, was pretty cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, looking at the character art for the designs on various websites and stuff, you can definitely see the fist, the North Star influence in the concept art. It's a, uh, like um, even El Stingray, the Mexican guy, yeah. he's kind of, because a lot of his face is covered up and you can only kind of see his mouth, his eyes and his chin, I'm, I get like some mean Kenshiro vibes from him yeah. just by looking at that. So yeah, now you've mentioned that, it's pretty obvious where yeah. that came from. I thought it was um, cool he was in the background though. Oh yeah, definitely. It's really nice when they kind of add things like that in to honor a creator or uh, if he just self-inserted himself, which... I guess he had to run by them anyway, because if he's just a concept artist, he wouldn't have had any say over that kind of thing. He's concept and main artist, so all the box mm. art was done by him. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, in regards to what you said for controls, I thought it was pretty simple. It's like a three-button game, pretty much. You've got attack, gra uh, attack, pin, and grapple, I believe, and then double-tapping to run. For a wrestling game, and again, I'm not really a huge wrestling fan either, I thought they would have given the... Because they had so many buttons they didn't use, the grapple its own dedicated button. Yeah. Because every time I tried to get into a grapple with later enemies in the game, they would obviously pull it off seamlessly, and I would be stuck either hitting them or just countering their grapples and finding it really hard to get into them. And then leading on from that, 
they just don't stay grappled for long enough for you to input the special grapples finishers. I couldn't do it once. Same. I I tend to struggle when I was doing kind of any move. And sometimes they have like weird supers like, uh, who was it? Oni, the Japanese wrestler. Like if you just hit, I think it was like punch and grapple, I believe it was. You hit those, both of them, you do like a spinning kick. But most yep. other wrestlers, you had to do some other, you know, move set with actual moving. I was like, well, that's kind of annoying. You know, for a game that has only three buttons, you're not really using much of the controller, but forcing me to do a bunch of silly things where I feel you could have just dedicated to a button or allowed me to set it to a different button and just make my life a bit easier. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, I was surprised with how context sensitive everything was like that, uh, kind of impressed me with the fact of like, you can jump up onto the turnbuckle and things like that, or, yeah. uh, get out of the ring, uh, pull up weapons, things like that. It was really good. It was just that the SNES has four face buttons and two shoulder buttons, and they were using three of them. Yeah. They could have done a lot more with that. And again, uh, because obviously we played them at home recently to refresh our memories, and due to the quarantine, we can't get out and see people. I bet it would have been a lot more fun playing with other people. But as it stands, it's another one of those games where even on easy difficulty towards the end, the computer is going to do a much better job than you. And I feel like four-way matches would have been real fun, but they could have just done so much more with it, and I felt like they just shoveled out the bare minimum. Yeah, I think, like... I guess, yeah, I do agree to an extent, but at the same time, they did make two sequels afterwards, so I guess it did pretty well in that regard. Yeah, I mean... Every kind of review I've watched or person who grew up with the SNES kind of holds this game in high regard. And I'll be honest, I never had it as a kid because I didn't get consoles until a lot later. But yeah. I just really don't see it. Like with things like um, Street Fighter or I know it's not specifically a fighting game, but Streets of Rage, um, King of Fighters, things like that. I can see why people enjoyed those or what was that other wrestling one where it was really arcadey and it was made by the mortal kombat guys uh wrestlemania something or other yeah i can see why people really enjoyed that one because, i like, like that one said, a lot that was it was great. really really arcadey yeah but, wwf super wrestlemania yeah but this just doesn't feel like that and it's kind of a little bit stiff i mean the animations the sprites are really nice and i like all the ring entrances and the theme music and the fact that they drew kind of little assets to go with them, like, all of that stuff takes extra work and it's appreciated. It's just I felt like it was a little undercooked in regards to what could be done with a wrestling franchise. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like I said, I think it looks like an arcade-style game, especially a lot of Capcom games at the time were just, you know, imp not importing. They were just bringing in, you know, arcade titles to the SNES. So you can kind of assume... It's going to play like an arcade game, but it doesn't fully play like an arcade game. It no. So, I don't know. I think it requires a lot more time than I would be willing to put into it. <laughs> That's my honest opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I thought if I streamed it and was chatting to my friends while I played it, I would have a bit more tolerance for it, but uh, I played through it once, beat it, and then... 
I thought something really good was going to happen because it throws you kind of back into the game as soon as you beat it. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe he's going to be wearing a belt now and I have to defend my championship from other wrestlers, but it just kind of forced me through the game again and sort of something might have happened towards the end, but halfway through I was just kind of like, I'm not going to play through this again. Yeah, when I beat it and it put me back in the ring, I was like, oh, is this going to be like Ghosts and Goblins again? Because I just don't think it's that much fun to play. So I was like, done. No. Again, uh, like maybe we can come back to it at a later date once we're allowed to get out of the house and things like that. And I do think it would be a real fun title to have a few rounds on of like a four-way brawl type thing. But as kind of like a standalone, I guess it is a fighting game essentially, there's just not enough there to make me want to keep going back to it. Yeah. I mean, uh, which character did you play as, or which ones did you mess around with the most? Uh, I went from Oni, and I played El Stingray, and I beat the game with El Stingray, and I was done. Yeah, same. I beat it with El Stingray, and then I... I mean, just because he kind of looks like the warrior, I went back and started again with Biff uh, uh, Slamkovich. Yeah. Just because that name. Mm. And, uh, yeah... They, they just didn't feel like they handled any differently. Like, the bigger guys could still break into a run and things like that. Yeah. It just, just doesn't feel like they differentiate them a lot. And, yeah. again, I know it's a Capcom game, but you can look at some of them. And, um, oh, what was the big caveman-looking guy's name? Uh, King Rastamon. Oh, yeah. He's clearly just an amalgamation of Zangief and Blanca. Yeah. So... It was kind of a little... Like, some of the characters were really good. Like, I'm not going to pretend to know where they took inspiration from because I don't know the dates that, like, wrestlers debuted and things like that. But based on the time era that this game came out and you had guys like Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, Goldberg, like, real garish, flary characters, I think they could have done a lot more than just generic buff guy who's blonde yeah i mean i can see that but at least they tried with the entrances the entrances were kind of yeah. interesting and good so definitely they did their best i felt in that regard yeah. but i still think they should have done more for the controls yep it was uh nice to see mayor haggard taken <laughs> to the ring yeah it's pretty that, fun to see him that thick ass handlebar mustache yeah with his spds <laughs> but uh yeah uh, other than that, it's a decent game. I did enjoy a few bits of the entrance music, like Hagar's entrance music. I got stuck on him for a while. It kind of got stuck in my brain, and I was humming along to it for a while. But other than that, I don't feel like there was enough of a difference from stage to stage to kind of make you feel like you were somewhere else. Yeah, I, the only music I kind of remember was uh, Oni's and El Stingray's. I thought Oni's music was pretty good. El Stingray's was pretty fun. Yeah. And uh, I think other than that, like they could have done a lot more with it, like cage matches, things like that, because all they did was kind of slap the name of where in the world you were at that time during that match, and then maybe palette swap the crowd. Yeah. So, like I said, it was nice, and there were two more after it. They probably improved on it, but for a first attempt... Yeah. I mean, I think if... I was kind of whatever, 8, 10 when this came out. I think it would have held my attention as, like I said, a party game, but I don't think it's something I would have played on my own. 
Yeah, I played a friend's house. I don't think I ever like rent it or buy it. <laughs> no, no, not really. It's uh, I I think for the time the amount of characters was spot on. There's like eight or ten of them, which yeah. is kind of standard practice for an initial release. And then obviously Capcom had the habit of re-releasing or building on it. Um, I just think that compared to games like Street Fighter and things like that, where they put a lot of effort into the background stages to try and sell where you were. Yeah. That it's just kind of, it's a nice concept. It could have just done with a little bit more polish and a little more kind of garnishing to really push it and really sell it. Yeah, I can see and I can agree with that. Yep. uh, Super moves, they were fun enough. I could do a couple of those, but the grapple moves, I just... I think unless you're going to give it a dedicated grapple button so you know exactly when it's going to happen instead of that kind of system they were using for a while where you just walk into them and hit the attack button, I don't think it works. No, I I don't even remember if I was able to even really do any successful grapples. I think most of the time it just didn't really connect and I got irritated trying to do it. So I just was like, whatever, I'm going to play this game like a shitty fighting game. Yeah, that was the only thing that annoyed me is that you can only knock down for the pin with a heavy blow from either a grapple or, like, bouncing off the ropes from an Irish whip. Yeah. That, that's the only way you could knock somebody down, so punching them wouldn't down them, which kind of annoyed me if the grappling wasn't going to be a little more intuitive. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, for the most part, like I said, decent visuals, uh, nice enough sound, just kind of lacking in the gameplay department for me. Yeah, same. Well, so, what would you give it? Would you give it a second shot then, officially, or you think one like, time's enough? No, as I said, I would definitely hang on to it for when people come over because I think it's a fun game, and I'd be interested to see where they went with the concept over the next couple. But yeah. I don't think it's anything that I'm going to boot up again in a hurry on my own. Okay, it's fair. All right. Yourself? Uh, I don't think I'd play it again. I didn't think it was that interesting. I would, even with friends, I'd probably be like, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. There are there are better choices out there for multiplayer games on the SNES. It had a wealth of them. Yeah, well, speaking of that, I think that will take us to the next game, which I would honestly play again because I thought it was actually pretty fun, which was uh, Power Instincts. Oh my god. Oh yeah, I liked Power Instincts actually. First of all, uh, the main screen, the main screen cursor, my god, that was pretty good. It's an old lady head. Yeah. That was fucking so, great. <laughs> they I seriously hope they knew exactly what they were doing and it, the game was just one big troll because I think if you tried to release this game now, obviously we'll get into why it would be a pretty fucking offensive game. Oh, yeah. I loved it. It was amazing. It's, um, I it mean, truly an icon of the era. Just <laughs> from the opening screen, I picked the guy with the headband thinking like, oh, uh, well, there's two guys with a headband, technically. Yeah. I picked the guy with a headband without looking at his name, and then it loaded up a nat- uh offensively Native American character called White Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. It's the poor man's T-Hawk. I loved it. Yeah, that is another thing that we'll go into once we're starting about this, but everybody in this game is a not-character. 
as in, look, it's not Ryu, it's not Ken, it's not Chun-Li Blanka. Alright, so let's let's at least get some of the main screen stuff out of the way, because man, I got a lot to say about this game, I because I legit enjoyed it. It's like, such a masterpiece game. Oh my god. It is special, I'll give you that. Well, first of all, you had double practice options. Come on, man, that's pretty good. You have either practice option one or two. One, they stand still. Not bad. Yep. Number two, they fight you back. Yep, definitely. That's, that's not something that was common. No, but also they could have like done it a different way, but yeah, okay. <laughs> the sounds and music were ridiculous. Oh my god, that's... <laughs> they as they said, where... They had some of that like racist like Asian yep. music playing like yep. I was like oh, oh god. my god <laughs> I think the worst one was either the Russian stage or the Native American stage to be honest what was it also like if you choose some of the characters like oh yo yeah was just like dying some fucking like one of them when she's getting hit I think it was Angela she sounds like she's just saying Abe over and over yeah Abe Abe and then yeah like I think it was. Chinen, the monk guy, he's like, every time he gets hit, he's like, oh, <laughs> it is like, there was just, I, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and assume that it was a game made in Japan. Yeah, but it's the done amount, by uh, Atlas. So yeah, the amount of cultural insensitivity going on in one fucking game. That's why just, it was so good, because they just I, didn't honestly, care. I just couldn't believe it when I fired it up, like, especially the victory screen yeah. where it's like dun 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 hoi dun 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 hoi yeah it's oh I just can't I just couldn't get my head around it it was ridiculous see I went from Saturday Night Slam to this game and this is like a breath of fresh air maybe if this was the first game I'd be maybe a little bit shocked by oh wow maybe that's not so good but after Saturday Night Slam which really wasn't my type of game I was like oh man this game is gonna be fun and but, so it kind of put me in that mood of like, okay, we're like this early 90s. No one cares anymore about being, you know, politically correct. Everyone is just doing bad stuff left and right. All right, let's jump into this. Yeah, pretty much. Like, as I said, you would not get away with making this in today's day and age unless it was like some obscure Steam title. Yeah. So, but, um... But yeah, like the old woman, like as the... I mean, I don't know if it's the... I played through it two or three times, and she seemed to be the first opponent you fought every time, unless you picked her. Yeah. But my god, her moveset. Uh, her fucking moveset. Like, she's basically female uh, Master Roshi. Yeah. Like, she just leches on people, and then I think it's after she lands, like, the weird kissing attack that she de-ages. Yeah. And she steals your health, she comes young. Dude, she's classic Japan. Her name was Otome. Classic yep. Japanese character. It's... I tried playing her, but uh, I, I found some other characters I liked more, but I'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. I mean, I gotta say that, come on, man. This game had double jumping like Marvel vs. Capcom. I was pretty stunned by that. I couldn't yep. believe a game like this would have double jumping. And what's even better is that double jumping has no zoom ins or zoom out. So what do you jump, double jump? You're just off the screen. You have no idea where you are. So when you yeah. fall down, you're like, oh, oh, that's where I am now. You have no clue like what the momentum is with that second jump. You just fall somewhere. There's no shadows, no arrows. It's just, you disappear. No, it is. 
And some of the characters, like, I don't know how many characters you played with. I played a lot of characters. Some of them are incredibly broken. Oh, man. I was going to say the disparity in quality and the stylings of the sprites was egregious. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. None I mean, of them, I... like, really fit. Especially, was it Angela, I think, when it was? Was it, like, the, the girl? Angela, right? The buff girl. No. Well, yeah, there's her, but there's the smaller girl with short hair. Oh, Annie. Annie. Like, her sprite did not fit with any other sprite, and she had kind of, like, an almost pinkish outline to her. And I was like, dude, you don't fit. And then you had Keith, who had a really tiny head, whose posture was based on Ryu in Street Fighter 2, and he also didn't fit into the game. And then you had White Buffalo, Mr. T-Hawk, who's, like, bigger than most characters, was the same size as, like, the super buff girl. And they also didn't, like, fully fit. It was just, like, I basically called it a Mugen-ready game. Because it just yeah. felt like Mugen. It felt like several different artists were working in different rooms or locations on each character with only a rough approximation of size and color palette. Well, yeah, I'm gonna say this, man. Um... The slowdown that game was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't just slow down a little bit. It'd be like 10, 15 seconds of like the game is just inoperably slow. Yeah. I found that happened a lot whilst fighting Otane because she does that like weird six ball projectile attack. Yeah. I and would... if you block that, the game just goes into slideshow mode. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It was just... And then... I feel as well that um, to get around the issue of balancing some of the more broken characters, like, for example, Keith. Oh, I love Keith. He My has man. the... He's basically not Ken, well, uh, mixed dude, with Terry Bogar. Well, yeah, well, I wrote in everything. He has Hadouken, he's got Lee yep. Fang's kicks, and yep. he has Rising Tackle. Yep. And then you um, had Reiji, who was Hadouken, Chunny Kicks, and he had the Ryu throw. Yeah, so they basically took those characters and broke them up yep. because Angela was basically Zangief Blanca. Yeah. And it was just absolutely ridiculous because Keith's forward, like rolling kicks, you can like spam five of those. And then he jumps over and attacks from the back. And then you can go into his rising tackle. Yeah. That it kind is... of like weird kick thing was based off of uh Kyo Kusanagi and uh, what is it? Uh, King of fighters. I'm not sh but this actually may have came out before Kyo had that move, so I could be wrong, but whatever. Yeah, it is broken as all hell, depending oh. on who you play as. Oh, dude, I, I just, like, jammed through that game as Keith, man. Keith was the man. He is, like, I yep. called him the Mugen character. He's absolutely the most broken, beautiful character I've played in any SNES fighting game. <laughs> it's, yep. like, He's his rising... With. Also, you know... He also had a charge move, too. I forget which character's based on, but if you're blocking, hit forward yep. and hit punch, he slides forward and like does like an automatic four hits. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I I almost... Uh, I couldn't get it to land. Every time I did it, the enemy kind of hit me on the slide-in. Yeah. But it kind of reminded me a little bit of... Uh, obviously, it probably wasn't from this, but almost like Soul Bad Guy when he does a grab, like his clear screen grab. Oh, uh, I was when thinking more like the Dudley kind of thing. Oh, uh, where he, like, shoots forward. Yeah, but, you know, like a... Dudley came out way later, so... Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, Keith is absolutely... I played a little bit as everyone, but he was, like, I just picked him up, put in all the stereotypical moves. I was like, how does this guy have a special move for every input? Yeah, great. 
loved Keith. It, Keith's yeah. the man. Cool guy. I liked slash hated their character art when they like start. They tried to draw these really high quality with big air quotes on it character portraits. And then you could tell that they just tried to do a little animation by taking the same frame and just drawing a different face on it. Yeah. And you could tell that by the time they got to characters, maybe like Keith and Saizo, that they just had enough because they're like one or two frames where they move their eyes or their mouth gets slightly wider. Keith just gave a little smirk. <laughs> like, yeah. Hmm. It's just ridiculous. Like, his stance, like I know you've already said it was based off Ryu. Yeah. But it reminds me of uh, Bison almost. With like him having his hands by the side and just shaking them up and down all the time. Ah, I didn't. I was thinking just more like his standard, like I'm waiting to fight pose, not the win. Oh no, it was like when he was standing there, like his hands are by his side and they're like bobbing up and down almost. But it was just like, yeah, I just can't believe how unashamedly this game just wanted to be Street Fighter. Yeah, it, it is. It's a complete it's just, Street Fighter Two clone. Yeah, but it is, like, so broken and so offensive that they must have just been like, quick, we need to cash in on this. We need to, like, ride this gravy train through the station. Like, fuck how it might look 10, 5, whatever years from now. Because it just does not feel like they maybe even tested this game before they sent it out. They just saw that it worked, that nothing was too egregious. Slow down at that point was forgivable because people still weren't really like into frame rate, obviously. Yeah. But I just feel as if they just shoved it out the door and just went, yeah, uh, Native Americans, yeah, they like do that thing where they put their hand on their mouth and like make whooping noises and then just like say things like, hmm, you smoke them peace pipe, white man. He had Hadoken, so that was pretty cool. It looked like a Scud missile was inside of it. Yeah, I know. Also, he had a Shoryuken move, too, so... Yeah, it was just... I was on Team like, White Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, it was just ridiculous. Like, I know. That's the only word I can use to describe it is it was just ridiculous. That's why I enjoyed it. I was so happy when I played that game next. Like, oh, thank God, I can I can play this game and feel happy again. Oh, I, yeah, know, I mean... They made a sequel, too, you know? I didn't look that far ahead. Yeah, they made a sequel, so obviously there were other people who were like, mm, broken game? This is like a fine wine. Yeah. Can't wait to cork it open, just leave it out to aerate, and then drink it six hours later. It's just... I think I'm in agreement with you because I actually didn't get to the point where I do with a lot of fighting games where I'm like, I'm sick and tired of this. It's either broken or it's the AI is too ridiculous. But, yeah, playing as, like, certain characters like Reiji or Keith, where they had just a plethora of moves, was like, this is actually broken in the player's favor for a change. Yeah, it's broken in a fun way, because even when you verse, like, Otome the second time, when she's, like, more powered up, I think she had a different name. Anyways, even you play her and she's kind of annoying, I still was enjoying the game. Yeah. Also, I the mean, backgrounds of the game were pretty good, too. Like, when you fight in the graves and stuff, I was pretty surprised for, like, a knockoff game. Yeah, definitely. Like, there was... That's what it is. Like, I feel in some areas there was more effort put in because they kind of weren't Capcom. They weren't SNK. They weren't established. So they probably did think that at some point, oh, we're going to have to put some effort in somewhere. 
and somewhere along the way it was just kind of a misguided effort especially with like the sprites being mismatched and the racially insensitive theme songs well you know early 90s I, japan <laughs> i mean the, the box art alone is something else yeah. it's like the fucking monk character trying to power kick white buffalo and then it's just called power instincts it's i i'm sad that i cannot make this shit up i don't know man i think early early time well no even nowadays japan makes some pretty funny stuff man <laughs> that's all i can really say yeah yeah because they don't, they don't have to answer to any other race other than their own it's a homogenous country that it's like oh i need to make this native american character it's like yeah what's that look like um i think it looks like this and they just look at you know like an old tobacco store indian statue I'm like yeah there you go that's perfect what kind of noise does it make oh remember that song 10 little indians like yeah i do and that's all they need and they build the character based off of that and then they just think like how do we make a background let's just put them give them some dirt some teepees that looks good yeah it looks just like old school america maybe put some cowboys too and that's all they do i mean it's ridiculous um uh what is it in ueno or at least around ueno station and okachimachi station there is a store Ah, oh, God, what is it called? Now this is going to kill me. It has a, it has a somewhat ra- has a racist name, if I recall correctly. Anyways, all they sell is stuff from around the Southwest, especially like New Mexico, which is famous for Native Americans and like turquoise. So that's what they sell, like leather stuff, anything that's influenced by cowboys or just Southwestern United States. Anyways, their logo is one of those really racist depictions of a Native American with a big old smile on its face. <laughs> like, I'm not messing with you. So to me, it's like, you know, it's already 2020, and uh, they still have that stuff right now in Tokyo. So to me, it wasn't yeah, yeah. shocking. It's just like, oh, oh, Japan. I mean, I think, I can't remember where we were, but me and you went out for coffee one time, and there was that, it was essentially like a four four or five foot kind of little sales dude like the kfc man that they have outside and it was like the most racist stereotypical black man from like the 19 like 40s or whatever like the big red lips the like hobo clothes like it's essentially blackface yeah and it was part of their logo as well and they're just unashamedly like using this thing and it's just kind of like you've just got to sit there for a moment and just take it in because you're like Jesus fucking Christ, anywhere else in the world, you would have had, like, whatever person this offends coming through your shop window to get you. Yeah. And that, it just doesn't happen here. And it's just crazy, because it's not as if this isn't a tourist hotspot anymore. It is. Yep. And I wonder how many fights have broken out because of these things. I have a feeling that people probably look at him like, like, oh, Japan. (laughs) Oh, they like, double it, like, oh... Asia, you truly are the West's problem. Yeah, pretty much. I think he'll just kind of ignore it, sidestep it, like, eh, it's Japan. Don't don't look, they don't know any better. Yeah, or it's also like, but Japan has sushi in Tokyo, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it feels very much like uh, reminiscent of essentially my grandparents, where they'll say some racist shit, 
and then someone will go, it's okay, they're old. Yeah. No, it's not fucking okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> to me, it's like when you say like, oh, it's okay, they're old, I feel like, are you trying to say it's okay because they're going to die soon? <laughs> Is that what yeah. you're trying to tell me? <laughs> Essentially like a more morbid spin on the you can't teach an old dog new tricks type thing. Yeah. It's just like, why try and fix it? It'll stop working soon. Just leave it be. <laughs> exactly. The battery's going to run out soon enough. Can't replace yeah. it. Eh. <laughs> oh, mercy. This game, this game went some dark places. Oh, yeah, but I loved it. I, yeah, I anyone... think, as a kid, I think I would adore it. I would love to own this game as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Anyone out there listening, if you want to see something special, yeah, grab a copy of Power Instinct on the Super NES. You won't be disappointed get a oh, few yeah. beers in have a few friends over you know maybe put a mel brooks movie on in the background because it pretty much feels like that was the template for some of this oh yeah just just go nuts it's great go get yeah. some get some squirt soda if you're in the u.s squirt or some uh some cream pies if you're in england or some what was that kia aura oh god go get yourself some racially insensitive juice from england with some cream pie delicious yeah i love Mm-mm-mm. i love it Oh, baby, let the good times roll. All right, so I think we talked about that game to death. Um, yep, pretty much. Let's uh, move on to Kizuna Super Tag Battle. I'll let you go first since uh, I have quite the history with SNK. I am going to say out of the four games that we played for this week, this was by far my favorite. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the music. Uh, I enjoyed, like, the the four-button fighting system, what they did with it, where they had kind of, like, a, a light, medium, heavy, and a tag, which I'll get into that in a second. I liked the characters. I felt there was a sort of good range across the board. And, yeah, just everything was really good. And the one thing that just fucking cracked me up so many times is instead of it saying round one fight, it says ready and beat up. Yeah. But because I wasn't looking at the screen the first time, and all these dudes are really hench, I thought it kept saying, beef up. <laughs> and every time I went into a fight, I could just hear, like, ready, beef up. <laughs> because then you have, like, the main, I guess, main focal point of the game, Ly- uh, King Lion. Yeah. This huge fucking buff boxing dude with a mohawk and a claymore. Yep. And he's there just, like, pecks out unashamed of like how flamboyant he is and then i'm hearing the npc telling me to beef up because i'm never going to be this guy yeah it gotta be a beefcake man but yeah i really enjoyed this game and i've played a few snk games like both kind of in obscure little neo geos dotted around england when we had them but i never saw this one and i really liked the tag mechanic where you kind of pick two characters and then you have a zone that you have to stand in. Yeah. And when you stand in that zone, you hit the D button, I guess it would be, on the yeah. Neo Geo. And you can tag in and out. And that character acts as a second health bar. And if one character goes down, you lose. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. The only time I stopped enjoying it and it became problematic for me was basically when the game started input reading me a bit harder and I would spend all this time whittling down an enemy's health thinking, I'm finally going to do it, I'm going to do it. And then they will just do everything in their power to throw you aside so they can tag out and get a new health bar. Yeah. And that to me is where I kind of, I was still having fun, 
But at the same time, I was starting to go, okay, now I'm kind of, I can't be asked with this anymore. Because not only is the enemy able to do these ridiculous combo strings, but anytime I get close to winning, they will just go and hide. And it's not like Marvel vs. Capcom where you can do like the, the kind of snap move where you hit a player out and disable them for a few seconds. Yeah. It's kind of like they have a dead zone when they tag to stop them from continually tagging in and out. Yeah. But there is no way to prevent them from tagging. And the change area is pretty damn generous. Yeah. Like, essentially, if you are on your own side of the stage, there is a good chance you're going to be able to tag out. Well, I guess. I mean, I feel the area in which tag is generous, but I don't think it's too generous. Because essentially you could either A, zone somebody, or you could just try and attack the crap out of them so they can't get out of like the turtle position, the edge of the screen. And if you do that, you can pretty much, you can kill them, but it's going to be difficult because of, you know, the blocking mechanics in the game. But, uh, go on. I mean, to be honest, I do need, I do want to go back and play it again because I couldn't really pull off any of the super moves. And I do need to kind of look into it a little bit more. But my favorite character was probably Kim. Kim was uh, uh, the guy who's wearing the blue and white, correct? Yeah, with the bow staff. Yeah, yeah. I think I it's, really enjoyed him. I think he's the same Kim who is in King of Fighters, if I recall correctly. I could be wrong, but I believe it's the same. His name is a little different, but I do think he's heavily influenced by that. Because that's kind of where I gravitated towards him. Because yeah. it was like, all these other characters, I don't know, but yeah. this guy looks similar in design to, I think his name's Kim, Kim Cup, Kim Cape One or something in SNK, and he's a Taekwondo guy. Yeah. Um, is it Taekwondo? I think so. That's It's Taekwondo, because he's sure. part of Team yeah. Korea. Oh, yeah, there you go. But yeah, I really enjoyed him. I thought his moves kind of like went together pretty well. And my main problem was trying to find another character who I kind of had that feeling about because there were some that had things I liked about them, but then things that I didn't like. And I kind of felt that, I mean, maybe if I went back and played it again, some characters perhaps have a reason why they're partnered up. Yeah. Um, But I just, I didn't feel that there were any characters that were supposed to be together apart from the two ninja guys because they sort of kind of looked the same yeah and then i did like that at the end i don't know if it changes if you pick the right pairings but then you do a 1v1 against your partner yeah i thought that was pretty so, cool so i liked that i thought it was good it's very reminiscent of um things like dynamite cop when you get to the end if you have extra credits or double dragon where if you got extra lives you would fight each other at the end to kind of see who's the better one yeah so i did enjoy that i mean all in all uh visuals are amazing but it's kind of unfair to stack it against the other ones because neo geo games were essentially jammer boards in a cartridge yeah so they were it's not that they were arcade perfect ports they were essentially were ripping the boards out of arcade machines near enough and sticking them in cartridges yeah so the visuals were amazing the sounds have that really like i can't quite put my finger on it but sng sng snk games always have that really meaty kind of punchy sound to their voices and when blows connect yeah 
and then character designs were great music was fantastic the combat was like had just enough going on that it rewarded people who experimented but when i was looking at move lists there aren't actually that many kind of moves yeah and it essentially boils down to medium heavy light neutral or pressing forwards yeah and then your special moves well the game was based on you know the original fail theory game real doubt yeah so that's why you know the moves aren't like that technical because the original fail theory games weren't that technical when they first came out because he you know king of fighters came out later fail theory came out around the time of street fighter if i remember correctly street fighter one or a little i think a little bit after street fighter one you had the first fail theory and they made like fatal fury 2 around the time of street fighter 2 remember correctly they made king of fighters a little bit afterwards i could be wrong on my times i'm not gonna check it so whatever i could be wrong could be right Anyways, um, in general, I mean, I'll, I'll get into SNK, but I really liked the game. I played it a lot when I was younger because I thought that the original Fatal Fury, well, it wasn't a bad game. It was slower and not as fluid as this mm. game was. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that, you know, the game, when you play any of the characters, the characters all have a good, like, heft to them as you were saying they have good weight behind them i feel when i hit a character i feel like i can feel if you know what i mean whereas yeah. a lot of the other fighting games we were playing i just feel like whatever i'm just hitting some character but snk games always have that nice like oomph to everything you hit like you said either with the sound design especially the animations you know when you contact with someone there's that feel in the sprite where like you can see the sprite struggling to get the full hit in you're like oh man that's that's good you know street fighter was able to do that but definitely they were the only two like you know um was it companies who could do that i'm sorry like i i liked mortal kombat but never once ever feel mortal kombat ooh there's heft to the characters. It's more like when I punch them, I see blood. Thus, I feel there is a reaction to it. I don't feel that the character itself is actually doing very much, if you know what I mean. No, I, I was going to say the exact same thing, that Mortal Kombat kind of banked hard on violence to try and sell that, but it did just felt like somebody was taking kind of two almost pieces of paper and just ramming them together. Exactly. Like, there was no weight behind it. It just felt like uh, if you ever did like a rush combo in the later Mortal Kombat games, oh, it yeah. just felt like somebody flicked the character into the other one and then the other one kind of floated away. Yeah, like Ultimate MK3 at the rush and you just yeah, hit a bunch yeah. of buttons and it's just like, oh my God. I mean, I enjoyed it as a little kid, but obviously I didn't feel like I was actually hitting the character much. No. Whereas I think the other thing that really sold it for the SNK games is kind of... I mean, I don't really know anyone when I was a child who had a Neo Geo. Oh, they God. were expensive. They Beyond still are expensive. expensive. And outside of the arcade, where, like, obviously, you go play these games and you're like, oh, my God, there's, like, so much power behind it. This is why it feels this way. You just didn't have that at home, except for the rarest exceptions. Yeah. So that it was just that unmatched kind of wow factor of like kind of when you see the first 3d console that it's like oh wow is this real is this actually happening yeah and it was kind of the same with sprites the you were used to the 16-bit ones at home and then you saw the neo geo and you were like holy crap how is this happening oh god 
like in my opinion, SNK was nothing but quality. They were just pure quality. And, you know, their rival was only it was pretty much only Capcom in general. Sure, there was other, you know, arcade companies such as Sega, and Sega did produce some good stuff, but SNK and Capcom were rivals and they were consistently battling over you know arcade supremacy in terms of any type of game and granted i did like capcom games a lot but man i i am an snk fanboy through and through i always felt coming from again somebody who didn't really get consoles until the playstation era that looking at them from the outside the capcom and almost like the Super Nintendo Genesis, they were the, like, they were the entry point. They were the layman's consoles that anybody could get them. They were very accessible. Whereas Neo Geo from the start, they weren't about that. They were like, no, this is the, this is the champagne. This is the, the creme de month. This is the apex of home gaming at that time. And I would, always saw them. Would you say it's the Dan Aykroyd Crystal Head Vodka? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I definitely would. It is just, mm, it is exquisite. It is a 10. A solid 10. A solid 10. Only $50. Made from diamonds. Yeah. Anyways, go me, on. That is, that is what the Neo Geo was. That somebody took an arcade machine and they broke it down into this little box and then charged probably double what the competition was going for. And then the games were like... I mean, I, I, I don't really remember seeing them in England, so I'm going to assume they were around $60, $70 a nope. cartridge. Nope. More money. The original yeah. Neo Geo home console, I believe, was about $700, $800 cuz what they did is they actually took the original board of an arcade and they slimmed it down as much as they could. So that thing was basically like a giant freaking brick. It was a box essentially. And whenever you put the actual game cartridges in, they were just a jamma board inside of a cartridge so every time you put it in you are literally just putting a jamma board in so each game cost about like 300 dollars, i believe because it's the same cost as getting an arcade essentially just to get that jamma board that's why neo geo machines often would sell so uh, oftenly often sell just the neo geo arcade and you could just buy their jamma boards that was the reason that neo geo had this nice little system going for it versus a lot of capcom games they would sell you the game with the actual cabinet. Neo Geo was different. They wanted to sell you the cabinet so you could then put different games in it. That's why all Neo Geo cabinets had a select game function, which is something that was a bit progressive in comparison to any other arcade that was really around at the time. Yeah. That's what made them unique. To me, that translated as very... At that time when... I mean, it wasn't really that long since people had started kind of accepting video games again... To kind of have this really high price ticket item, I felt that that is maybe why people don't, outside of people who liked the arcades, who went to them, who are actively engaged in fighting games, that, I mean, Smash Bros. is a good example. How many people know who Terry Bogard is? Yeah. And because of that high price point back in the day, I feel that is kind of why, I mean, Capcom have gone through a bit of a renaissance recently and they were churning out garbage for the longest time. But that is kind of, in my mind, why SNK is kind of like this gold hazy memory of 
something that was very unattainable, whereas Capcom is still here and still churning things out, and they're very much in the forefront of things, whereas SNK is kind of a little more, oh, they're still releasing quality fighting games, but it is essentially, for the most part, they are still focused on the arcade. Uh, not entirely. King of Fighters 15 came out. King of Fighters 15 came out for, you know, Xbox One, PlayStation, and, you know, Arcade, and also Steam, all at the same time. Oh, okay. So, they have been trying to do it, and, you know, King of Fighters has been a staple within EVO since pretty much the beginning. So, I think it's more or less that, in terms of people who play games, especially fighting games or arcade enthusiasts, it's one of the gold standards. In terms of, like, basic people yeah it isn't it's not going to be but i think that was kind of the whole thing about neo geo or snk in total was that it was the gold standard of arcades and they kind of held that quality over quantity and i think that's kind of was the best part about them and also the worst part about them you know capcom did care about quality but they also cared about selling things so that meant they didn't mind selling a bunch of crap they didn't mind basically throwing away multiple different properties down the drain mm-hmm. as long as they stayed relevant. Neo Geo really tried to avoid doing that. And, you know, got him credit for it, man. It's it's difficult. And, you know, SNK did go bankrupt. And when they went bankrupt, everyone who was a part of, you know, SNK, including the, create, uh, the CEO or owner, however you want to call it, he was able to buy back almost all of the IP reopened as Playmore, then they became Playmore SNK, and then finally switched over to SNK. So they've gone through a pretty troubled history of everything, and some of the top programmers at SNK created Platinum Games, which is probably making Mm. some of the best quality modern games, at least in my opinion. And it goes to show, you came from one of the best, like, gaming publishers out there, and you created, like, Platinum Games. Obviously, you guys have been in the game for a long time. Because some of the programmers at Platinum Games, they're programmers who worked on Metal Slug. They worked on King of Fighters. Some of, I know, some of your favorite games from that era. Yeah. Yeah, think yeah, about that. That's, it takes oh, a no, lot of like, work and time. And what I said was in no way a slight. And it's kind of, as you say, translated over to Platinum Games. Like, it is very, very rare that Platinum Games drops something and people go, eh, it's okay. Or, uh, could have been better. Yeah. It's like eight, nine out of ten times, people are like, no, this is the pinnacle, and other people need to sit up and take note. I mean, look at when Bayonetta came out, and then DMC released. Yeah. What happened there? Yeah. People are like, what the hell? These guys have taken, like, I think at that point, it was one of their first cracks at that kind of genre. Yeah. And they came out the gate swinging. Yep. And this was Capcom's Dark Era, where they were kind of like, we got good graces. We made Street Fighter. We made uh, Devil May Cry. Cry. We made Resident Evil. Mega Man. Come on, come on, people, give us that money. And that good faith ran out. And like I said, uh, gone a little bit off topic, but I'll just finish what I was doing. They have won back the good graces recently. Yeah, I they've done a good they, job. They slipped a little with RE three. But I think that's a title for another... That's a subject for a a different time. But they have clawed it back. But yeah, I agree with you. SNK have never once sacrificed to my memory. And I'm not as knowledgeable as you. But they have continually gone, no, we're not pushing this out. It ain't ready. And if it is crap, 
they fix it. Yeah. That's why I gotta say, dude, I, I love SNK. If I have... Mm. If I ever had a tattoo, ever got a tattoo, man, I put SNK on my forehead, just like that troglodyte, like Jared Leto and Suicide Squad, instead of damage, I'm like, uh, SNK. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Or maybe I could get one on my chest, man. What do you think? I could get, like, well, the joystick to be my right nipple. My left should, nipple uh, could make up part of the four-button layout. You could play me every day. I'm a cheap, I'm cheap, man. Just one chord to play. No, nah, man, you're from the hood. Instead of getting thug life over your abs, you gotta get SNK life. Dude, I'll just get Neo Candy written on it because that was my favorite. Neo like, candy. dude, this is my favorite Neo Geo cabinet was the Neo Candy. It had a high-end CRT monitor with, uh, what was it? Like 240 hertz like CRT. So there was no screen tearing whatsoever. No ghosting. Absolutely mm. perfect. Flat screen. Bro. Well, I think we have filleted SNK long enough and it is time to move on to the last of today's four games if that's okay with you yeah which is uh i mean i'm gonna be honest with this one uh eternal champions for the sega genesis yeah or Mas master system mega drive was, whatever uh, mega drive whatever but i'm gonna i'm gonna start by saying i really liked the character designs yeah and it kind of had like um I mean, most of my knowledge came from the Sega CD version, where it's kind of higher quality. They put all the violence back in. Oh, so you played that version. Oh, oh no, I... Yeah, I played that one, but for the purpose of this, I thought I better play the base game, because that's how it's going to be judged. It's going to be judged off the one that came out first, and then kind of the one on Sega CD was kind of like a big patch. Yeah, people consider it pretty much almost a sequel. Hmm. But I, for the life of me, no matter how, like, maybe I'm just not good at these type of games. It really reminded me of almost like a more stiff Mortal Kombat. I could not, for the life of me, get any consistent moves to come out. And through playing around with it, I understood that there was a high and a low kind of stance to change punches to kicks and whatnot. And there's kind of like a little energy gauge that needs to fill back up yeah but it was just not fluid at all i do not feel like any of the moves strung into each other really oh it was just the worst it, it to me it was the worst game we played yeah and as i said like um two of the characters that i tried to play as or rather three i guess larson the kind of detective yeah. Mitchell, the vampire, and Rax, the kind of Muay Thai cyborg. I really liked their designs. I, and I, I knew you were going to like 1920s detective guy. Yeah. It's like, He's very uh, syndicate. Uh, high, high trousers, fast talking guy. Yeah. I mean, I can kind of understand why people wouldn't like him because design wise, he's a little bit boring compared to the others. Yeah. Um, but. I really wanted to like this game because the characters look really good, but I just couldn't. And also, before I hand it over to what you thought, the music for the system that it was on for, like a few weeks ago, we played Michael Jackson, Moonwalker. Now, obviously, that he had a lot to do with the sound on that, Yeah. but I cannot believe that these two games were on the same system. Oh, man. The music in this game was atrocious it's really bad it is just like i cannot believe that they took like uh in my opinion 
the SNES looked better, yeah. but the Genesis sounded better. Ah, uh, I disagree because SNES had a way better like sound card. Well, not it's not a sound card, but compare Doom on Sega Genesis to, to Doom on SNES, and you'll be like, oh yeah, mm. sorry Genesis, you you fucked up. Genesis just had oh, a yeah. cool sound to it. That's more of my take. I think Genesis had this really nice like deep sound to it that's kind of tinny but worked well. Yeah, and I think that's the problem with this game is they didn't know how to rein in that tinniness. Because it just sounds like somebody took uh, the sound of somebody running a nail across a rusty bin yeah. and crushed it down, and it was just ear-piercing. Like, I had to turn the sound right the way down to be able to tolerate this whilst playing it with headphones. Oh, I actually just turned off the sound. I was like, no, I'm done here. <laughs> but yeah, so the only thing I can sing the praises of is some of the character designs were really good. But the quality of like the colors and stuff kind of let them down as well. So I like the designs, but I just do not feel like this was the best way they could have executed this product. Well, it's very much so, you know, a Sega Genesis game with that color range. There's so many like neon blues and pinks and greens that were completely unnecessary. But, you know, it's the very Genesis look to it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, you know, there were two spinoff games. They had Chicago Syndicate for Game Gear and Expert. I didn't realize yep. that uh, it was Expert was a spinoff. I had played Expert when I was a kid. I didn't really care for the game, but it's that female ninja shadow, whatever. Yeah. And then I, Larson. Yeah, I've seen that one. And Larson was in Chicago Syndicate, which I heard was not really good. But I'm not surprised. They were like on the front cover. I kind of felt like they're going to sell these characters to me. Yeah, and from my understanding of it as well is that it actually did relatively well somehow, and that's how it got all those spin-offs because they were going to try and go with, like, um, I guess fleshing out the whole universe and everything, and there was supposed to be a second game coming. There's supposed to be three games. But it just didn't happen. And they, Yeah, it failed at a certain point. And I just couldn't understand from a gameplay sort of perspective i mean obviously we're looking at it hindsight's 2020 but i just cannot understand why you would see games like sonic uh mario street fighter mortal Kombat to a degree and go yeah this i'm gonna back this yeah i just don't see it well that's kind of one of the things that was interesting about the game because when i was playing it first thing i noticed was there's an information section yeah which is like I honestly felt like someone was trying to ingratiate themselves with their audience because, you know, well, I understand a lot of heart went into this. They had a biography section, they had a storyline section. I mean, that stuff was unheard of at the time for any type of game. I mean, come on, you play Street Fighter. All you basically know is like Chun-Li is from China and Ryu's from Japan. You're like, whatever guile's American. You can tell based on the stages, based on the flag of each character. It's very clear. And sure, there might be a story, but back in the day when there was no internet, I can almost guarantee that no kid, no kid, knew what the story of Street Fighter was. You just knew, like, this dude's cool. I'm going to play as him. She's really good. I'm going to play as her. And the same yeah. for every fighting game. So good on them for trying oh, yeah, something definitely. new. I think the storyline screen was kind of interesting. You know, like, this, like, spiritual dude comes down, gets into a gi, tells you 
a story. However, you know, the story, man, it's like a travesty and like a true time capsule of the 90s. You know, it's completely obsessed with like over embellishing like absolutely everything so they could try and market it to children. You know, the whole entire story was super comic booky, but obviously kind of poorly done. It's like, oh, all these people were going to do something positive in the future, but they all died before their time. So now their souls must fight to get their life back. It's like, yeah, basically. It's like, oh God, are you serious? Like, that's what I felt like, man, this is like the most typical 90s story I could ever think of. Yeah. It's so... I don't know. I'm, I mean, we're adults now. So, I mean, obviously, we've gone through tons of media growing up. So, we can look at this and just be like, oh, God, this sounds terrible. But I feel like even as a kid, I might sit there and be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just like, I want to fight. <laughs> I don't want to listen yeah. anymore. Well, this was in no way, shape, or form made for kids because they censored the hell out of this version. Yeah. The Sega CD one had all the violence put back in. But there was still a fair bit of, like, um... There was overkills, the in... which are fatalities in this game, in the Genesis yeah. one. But yeah. did you look up how to do the fatalities? They're harder than in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. They have the... to be, like, a specific distance in a specific stage in a specific fucking spot for each goddamn character. Yeah, and then they also... I felt they kind of off-balanced that in the later one. I don't know how many were in this one with stage fatalities. I think... Like, that... all, you had, all you had to do was finish them in a certain location. Yeah. But yeah, like, I I could tell just from five minutes of putting my hands on this game that I'm like, I'm not even going to waste my time trying to commit some of these combos to memory because I guarantee you they're all going to be position-based, timing-based, and they just do not go into each other at all. No. Like, there the was most like... I've seen is like a four or five hit combo. I don't even know how you could pull that off. God, I could barely get a three hit combo. Like, no, nothing I couldn't worked. do it. That's what I saw the NPC do to me. Ah, uh, I think my and brain then, just turned off, man. Yeah, I, I, I did not. Like, like I said, looking at it, I wanted to like it because it's like the most edgy fucking '90s thing ever. But it just, I just couldn't. Well, the game was so edgy, you know, when they were marking the game. They market through 7-Eleven in the U.S. And so you could buy Slurpees with the characters on it. And actually, I looked at photos of it and I realized like, oh, wow, I think I got some Slurpees that, you know, had these characters on. I just didn't realize it because I probably thought as a kid, man, these characters look dumb. <laughs> but um, but yeah. I mean, now that I'm older, I can kind of look and be like, yeah, you know, they're not bad. I mean, I can see why you could like them. But I guess for me, I was just like, uh, certain 90s stuff I like, but it reminded me a lot of, uh, what's that comic book, uh, artist, Rob Liefeld, I believe, who was like, everyone is like ridiculously buff with small heads and everyone has like a little pouch on their thigh. Yeah. So to me, it reminded me of him, like just overly designed characters. I was like, "Mm, yeah, that doesn't really sell too much for me. I mean, did you see the Sega CD one? They added even more characters in. I heard that the Sega CD one basically was the version they wanted to put on the Genesis, but due to time constraints and memory constraints, they weren't able to, which is why the Sega CD one essentially is the definitive version. But, you know, my opinion was like, well, your basic version was just so god-awful, I don't really care about your definitive one. 
Yeah, basically. I mean, I think that was the the kind of feeling all over that they'd missed the boat and now people were kind of like, I don't really want to pay for this add-on just to get these new characters who probably aren't even worth it. Yeah, and how many people even had the Sega CD? I only knew one kid. Yeah, precisely. I um, I never... No, I tell a lie. I'm same as you. I knew one guy who had both of them. Yeah. Think about and it. And I think it was retroactively as well. He didn't have them when he was a kid. He just picked them up cheap later in life. Oh, okay. I actually had one friend who had a Sega CD because he was spoiled. That's not jealousy. It just was the fact. It was just a fact. But I remember when he had that Sega CD, man, we ordered a pizza. When we got to his house, we got our sodas, got our squirts ready, and uh, we ordered that pizza. And by the time the pizza arrived, this Sega CD was up and running the game. It took like 30 minutes for any game to load on Sega CD. Yeah, it was not a, it not was a, a good add-on. It was atrocious. It was the marketing equivalent of a dying man's gasp. Oh, God. Just the load times were disgusting. I often thought that the thing was broken most of the time. Yeah. I was like, is it working? And I want to like, I remember, you know, when we just look at it, put it, you look at the CD. Cause I remember when you're a little kid, you saw the CD, you're like, like, oh my God, man, it's the future. Cause you know, before PlayStation, but Sega CD was disappointing. That's why I think I was kind of afraid of PlayStation at first. Cause I was like, Sega CD was horrible. Another CD console. Ugh, this is not going to yeah. be good. I mean, and it didn't really help to further the image of the CD with Nintendo kind of sticking to cartridges until the GameCube. And even then, they kind of still were trying to do their own thing with the mini discs. Yeah. And yeah, Sony, up until that point, you say the word Sony and people are like, oh, yeah, man, I love cassette tapes. I love my Walkman. I love my CD player. Why are they making a games console? Yeah, same thing, though. When Microsoft did it, it was just a repeat of what, you know, Sony did. Yeah. Basically, it's just, uh, I think they had one of the more interesting entries into it in that it came from Microsoft and you were kind of like, oh, uh, at that point, unless you were kind of just somebody who didn't know anything about computers and you were still like, oh yeah, PC, isn't that like the thing you do spreadsheets on? Yeah. You, I mean, I was a little bit excited for it so it was like, oh like, I love PC games. I loved playing Doom back in the day. I loved playing Quake. You're telling me that a, a company has focused all their power on just video games? But I think, aside from the few obvious titles like Halo, uh, Conquer Reloaded, um, I mean, I'm really struggling to think of Xbox-exclusive titles that I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah. Dead or Alive... No, Dead or Alive 2 was on the Dreamcast. Dead or Alive 3. Yeah, but when I had it, there were some good games in there, but it did feel very much like they didn't have the back catalog of Sony and they were just creating whatever they could to get as close as possible. Yeah, they, it was hard, I think, for anyone. The same with when PlayStation came out, they didn't have anything. It took them a while. A lot of early PlayStation games, I remember in the US, were just sports games. Oh, yeah. So, but I mean, they had the... The benefit of undercutting Sega. Yeah. It's that 299 speech. <laughs> we just walked out and went, yeah, 299, bye. <laughs> so, yeah, they had that. And uh, I feel very much that 
the Sega CD was the reason people were a little cautious about it to begin with. Yeah, I agree, because I know I was. I think I felt more optimistic with PlayStation as the library grew, but I think had I had heard as a kid that Sony was working with Nintendo to oh, yeah. beforehand, I think me and other people probably feel a little bit less apprehensive about the PlayStation at first, because even though the Sega CD loaded like complete like shit i mean god damn it's slow as a sloth taking a crap anyways <laughs> um how do you know there was a history of nintendo you might feel like okay there's be more quality that was placed into this more work and more time versus just like you said sony at the time was just like they just did media devices yeah good ones yeah they were all great but media devices yeah you can't really imagine that my cool sony tv and walkman are now gonna be making my favorite video games on it just sounds like a joke i do think coming at it from the opposite end though someone who had like a a pc and grew up in england where kind of like the computer culture was a a lot bigger in the earlier years yeah that it had the opposite effect that cds were seen as a good thing because as i was getting into pc games you still had that option of you either got them on three and a half inch floppy or you got them on cd rom yeah and anybody who And it was the kind of same thing with DVD when that came out. And anyone who played Final Fantasy XI will tell you that if you got the CD version of that game, you were going to be there for a while installing it. Because the damn thing came with like eight or nine CDs. Yeah. The DVD one was one, and it was done within like 30 minutes with the base update. And it it was the same thing with like Doom and things like that, where you get four, five, six depending on the game, seven, eight floppy disks, as opposed to a CD that had one superior picture quality and better sound. Yeah. So looking at it from that perspective, I was like, oh, hot damn, a console's doing this. This is worth a look. Yeah. I mean, I because, understand that. Yeah. So for me, like, the idea that Sega wanted to push that was a good idea. It's just they fired the gun too early on it. Well, I mean, and the, someone's got to do it, right? It. It was all FMV games. Yeah. It was all grainy ass, in big air quotes, full screen video, full motion video, when actually it had like half of the screen real estate was a static image to fit this pixely ass, like what? Maybe three by six? Like 300 by 600 or something like that grainy little video in the middle of the screen. Oh, you mean that? I think it was 320 by 480. If you want to be real specific, I believe. It was that, or maybe less than, because I can't recall what, because TVs at the time were four by three aspect ratio, so I can't remember. I want to say three twenty by four eighty, but yeah, they had to like bit crush the video so it could fit onto the actual CD because the CDs were quite small. Yeah, so a predominantly cartridge based machine that, as we've prior discussed wasn't as powerful or didn't do as good a job of displaying its games as its other 16-bit rival, which didn't need any jank-ass add-ons for it, trying to give you that promise of, yeah, sure, just slap the 32X and the Sega CD on there and you got an X-Gen console, baby. And they got the 32X CD and CD add-on games that were classic. It just wasn't going to happen. No. The thing was on life support, as they've said. Yeah, there was nothing for it. And then, again, we've gone a little bit off topic, but Sega just kept misstepping up until the Dreamcast when it was they kind of burned through their good graces because 
something about their architecture. They bid on the wrong kind of things. The Saturn was originally supposed to push 2D games more than 3D because they still thought that was the way the market was going to go. Yeah. But yeah, um, I never really had a Genesis, so I don't really have that attachment to it. As I said, and I keep saying PlayStation was where I came in first, so CDs were the, the dog's bollocks to me. Yeah. And I always saw cartridges as, oh, they load quicker, but the N64 looks like someone slathered Vaseline all over my TV. Yeah. But yeah, so it's just Sega tried something, and instead of just cutting their losses and moving forwards, they just banked on things like this, where they were like, oh, we're not holding anything from you. You can get Eternal Champions, but we're going to hold off all the actual final definitive content unless you drop money on this yeah and it just wasn't it's never gonna happen i mean look at the 3ds and the 3ds uh ll or new 3ds with its slightly faster cpu that had one game for it before nintendo realized we're gonna alienate our entire user base if we have a game that won't even run on the base model yeah so it's it's just historically never been a good thing no if it comes to any type of video game console it's not good because they're not modular you have to buy a brand new thing it's not like a pc no so to just kind of round this off a little bit i think most people can probably gauge where we sit on these starting from worst to best which ones are you going to go back and play again or which ones do you think were the better experiences Kizuna, number one, number two, uh, Power Instincts, number three, uh, Saturday Slam, and last would be Eternal Champions. Yeah, I think it's pretty much the same. Um, for anyone who played those games, I'm really glad I held out to play Kizuna last. Yeah. Because if I'd have started there and made my way in the opposite direction, I think I would have spent even less time on Eternal Champions and Slam Masters. Yeah, first one I played was Eternal Champions, and then it was Slam Masters, and then it was uh, Power Instincts, and finally Kizuna. So I worked in that order. Yeah. So it worked out well. You uh, you were fighting a downhill battle. Pretty much, because I knew that Kizuna, I kind of felt that Kizuna was going to be the best one since I had a history yeah. with it. So I was like, I'd rather have the wonderful ice cream at the end of my meal than eat at the beginning and be full. Yeah. I mean, that is the reason I held off on it as well, because I said, didn't have a Neo Geo, didn't have much experience with SNK. I do kind of feel that it's unfair to place this game in the same category as the other three, just because of the power that that system had. Yeah. But you just can't deny that quality. It's true. And, you know, at least one benefit of it was that, I think if you're a true, like, person who loves not troopers if you if you really love you know arcade games i think especially snk games you know kizuna but i think if you're just a normal person you have no clue what kizuna is so in that sense it kind of works out i think some of these yeah. games are pretty niche or niche so you know yeah i mean i think that was one of the things that i had with snk to begin with that their titles already always look cool and they look good but I felt some of them were testing grounds for their main franchises. Yeah. And there were a lot of throwaway ones. Not bad games. Definitely not. Kizuna proves that. But they were very much like, okay, P2 
people like this. Let's take this, refine it, and shove it back into Fatal Fury or King of Fighters. Well, yeah, I mean, tag team games were really big at the time, so they needed to pump out something which was going to be with the trend. I mean, looking at this now, as kind of like a closing question, which do you think is the better experience? Kizuna or the first Marvel vs. Capcom? First Marvel vs. Capcom game versus Kizuna. Probably first Marvel vs. Capcom game. Why would you say that? I think the reason why is that when I played that game, I played it originally in the arcade, and I remember it was a pretty fast experience, and I was also familiar with all the characters, so it creates an automatic bias for me. But I mm. remember when Marvel vs. Capcom came out, I really liked Street Fighter versus X-Men way more than Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah, yeah. So in if I have to compare Marvel vs. Capcom versus Kizuna, I would say Marvel vs. Capcom, but I think because I was biased, Yeah. in my honest opinion. No, definitely. I mean, the only reason I brought that up is just because I felt this game was a little more solid and controllable, like I knew what was going on. Oh, Whereas for, what for that, Marvel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what Marvel vs. Capcom would become, like, I love MVC2, but goddamn, is it just the biggest clusterfuck ever. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about that, like, we do supers, they have, like, those rocks flying in the background and crap. Yeah, in that sense, yeah, it was like your eyes were just being, like, raped to death. Yeah. So, yeah, so, in that sense, I can understand. But as I said, I think I was also fairly biased. I mean, I'm looking at it in hindsight as well that... I love those games, but I didn't get to play a lot of Neo Geo games, so when somebody shoves something like this under my nose, and I'm like, God damn, this came out when? Yeah. This could this could pass today almost. Yeah. It's a good so, game. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Because I feel that if you ask me to play those two games now, I probably have a harder... Like, if I was playing them for the first time, say Marvel vs. Capcom and Kizuna at my age currently, I think I'd probably have a harder time choosing which one I preferred in all honesty, because I think I probably have kind of mixed feelings. You know, each one has its good points and their bad points hmm. for sure. How about you? Well, as I said, um, character wise, recognition wise, kind of maybe replay value wise, it's going to be MVC. Yeah. But, in regards to actual playability and feeling like I was actively contributing, Kizuna was a lot more fun from a standpoint of I could pick this up, maybe invest an hour or so in it, and I think I could get pretty decent with one or two characters. Yeah, okay, that's fair, yeah. I think the one thing for Kizuna is I felt that it's a bit more engaging in terms of me having to focus on what's going on. With yeah. Marvel's Capcom, I could switch out any time, which I think makes the game a lot more convenient. Or Kizuna, you specifically need to be careful with where you're situated on the screen to be able to switch out. Yeah, definitely. That plays into a huge part of like the tug-of-war kind of system of that game. Yeah, which I did think made it challenging, but also kind of fun, because you're more engaged. Yeah. And then it has the benefit as well of original characters. Yeah. Whereas if you had like no prior love for a lot of the characters in MVC, you might feel embittered to certain degrees of, wow, really? They picked this guy over this guy? Yeah. Whereas Kizuna, the only thing I kind of felt a little bit cheated on was that the two end bosses were kind of reskins of existing characters. Yeah. I agree. But 
Having said that, they had to draw some extra detail on them here and there, so it's passable. Yeah. And the characters themselves are play really differently, aside from the two ninja guys. Yeah. Which I think is a good place to wrap up on this. Yep, I since, agree. Uh, so, thank you everyone for joining us again. It's been real good up till this point. Thank you for all the support. Yeah, thanks and everyone. We will, yep, and we will be back next week. So, it's bye from me. Peace out. And we'll see you next week, guys. Bye-bye. See yous. <laughs>